Welcome back to the Footy Talks podcast. I've decided I have nothing new to add on Toronto FC, so I'm kind of tired of talking about them anyway. So I've decided to go in a different direction this week. We're going to talk a bit about grassroots Canadian Premier League as well as both both the men's and women's Canadian national teams. We'll finish up with a bit of Tottenham talk as well. To chat about all that, I've got, got Levi Oki of Grand River Union sitting across from me. Levi, thanks for hopping on the show. I know this is kind of a interrogation style setup i didn't really realize that until we actually sat down to record this but <laughs> that's what kind of what it feels like it's all good i'm, I'm ready to be interrogated <laughs> i've got a face for radio so uh this is this will work out okay if you just hear my voice instead well as i said <laughs> levi is a member of grand river union which is a kitchener waterloo ontario based supporters group uh they're a fairly unique supporters group though because well they don't really have a team that they're supporting right now they're somewhat like uh Saga City Collective or uh even Barton Street Battalion before they had a team confirmed um but uh Grand River Union's a little bit different because at one time you did have a team uh yeah. talk us through a little bit of that situation and uh you know what the kind of history of this group is yeah so um my history of the group starts back in probably about six, seven years ago now, when KW United started up. They did a big announcement. It was in the record, which is our local newspaper. and They had like a meet and greet for a bunch of supporters of the group. And so there was about 45 of us there that showed up. And we, I think we were at um, Kitchener Soccer Club at Bud Park. Um, and basically started talking about like, how can we do a supporters group for KW United? And so at that time, there was a lot of energy and people were really excited about it. I was super excited. Um, and then we developed a bit of a supporters group called Forsyth's Machine. That's what we called it um, after David Forsyth and uh, the machinist that kind of won the Galt Cup. And so that was the name of our little group. And we supported the PDL for a while. And to be honest, it wasn't a great experience. The PDL is a very difficult league to follow. Um, we did connect with Detroit City, which we still maintain like a really deep connection with Detroit City. We had great times playing against London. But for the most part, it was pretty hard to do. So um, some guys reached out to me when they heard about this CanPL thing. Is it still a rumor? Mm-hmm. They said, hey, like, hey, we hear you guys have a supporters group. Do you want to, like, talk about this stuff? And so we were like, sure, let's do that. And so um, a bunch of us founders kind of brought together again. And we started what we call Grand River Union, which was kind of a way of just saying, like, we're going to bring everybody under one roof again. Forsyth Machine kind of did its own thing. There's about... 10 to 20 of us that would show up at games and have a good time. But this was like, hey, now we have like this much bigger group and this whole idea of KMPL and KW right at the start sounded like they'd be fully on board. KW United was a bit of a pioneer in terms of playing a lot of Canadians on their roster very early. Mm-hmm. Similar to like TSS and Calgary where it was like they had a real focus on Canadians. And Barry McLean, as people with TFC know, he has mm-hmm. a lot of connections in the Canadian soccer circles. So he, he knew everybody. Um, and there was a lot of young players. We got Jay Chapman, Sergio Camargo, guys that everyone, their names are still around. They're probably in the KMPL. We're expecting to see a lot of KW United players in the KMPL. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think a lot of those those kind of Canadian names that have been kind of lost in the wind a little bit will, will yeah. resurface in the KMPL, which is exactly what the league is for. Um, 
you know, obviously we've seen a lot of teams launch seven teams and we all thought there was going to be an Ottawa team as well until yeah. all of a sudden there wasn't. Um, where's Kitchener, do you think, right now in this conversation? Because there is, there, you know, the, the league has said that they are talking with ownership groups and they're trying to maybe see if they can push one forward a season earlier than they would have expected to be that eighth team. Yeah. If you look at the alignment, it would make sense that that's a team on the east coast of Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, have you heard anything or? Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Like what we've always heard from everyone that we know that's been involved. So like the CanPL guys have shown up here. They've chatted with us and talked us through stuff. And it was a lot of fun to kind of you know, pick apart what is our community about, which was the big focus on it. But the biggest issue here seems to be a stadium issue. Um, and so we don't really have a great stadium. Uh, Wilfrid Laurier Stadium is probably the biggest, formerly called Seagram Field. Um, but it's a wooden stand, and it is really not ideal for any sort of higher-level competition, as well as there's no ability to do, like... Um, you know, those, those higher investor boxes that they've got in every single stadium now where mm. you can pay a little bit more and you get to have a really beautiful view. That's, that doesn't exist in the stadium. It's one stand and you all look down on the field. And so <laughs> my understanding is that's the issue. Where is that headed to? We don't know. We've heard rumors. We've heard lots of talk. The other difficulty I think that's going on is there's like, you'll hear it sometimes when they even talk about it. They're like, they call it the Grand River area. Because we're three separate cities and we're mm-hmm. all very unique, like Kitchener and Waterloo and Cambridge are unique, and there's been talk that it's in Cambridge, so there might be an idea for a stadium in Cambridge, which would be really awesome historically. That's Galt, which is beautiful, um, but it's also really far from where a lot of the population center is now, so mm-hmm. how do you work those things out? And I think my hope is that we're in there in 2020. It'd be awesome if we were in next year. Um, but I don't see how they're going to pull it off, especially once you see all the ticket details come out from Forge. It seems pretty much like, okay, we're probably 2020. <laughs> Hopefully with the first announcement in 2020, because I know they're working very hard on getting like something together uh, mm-hmm. and putting together a package to make sure that we have a team here in Kitchener-Waterloo. And it will be a great rivalry once we start up with uh, Hamilton and stuff. Yeah, for sure. What what does the group kind of do right now that, that you know, obviously you don't have a team to to support? So I know that you know I, I'm wearing a scarf right now. You're yep. still uh, yep. you're still out and around, and and obviously a group of of the supporters are going to the Canada yep. game on on the 16th. So um, what do, what's up with the a, group right now? A bit of everything. We like to be honest. We had it. We've we've slowed down a little bit, but we've done. Um, we had our uh, refugee cup, which is awesome. So that was our refugee fundraiser cup where we. Brought together a couple of local teams, had them play against each other in a gym, and raised funds for uh, KWCR United to, to kick off. Um, and we're continuing to kind of do that sort of stuff, which is just like cultural soccer support stuff. So we did pick up soccer nights, um, and we've done a bunch of other things like that. In the next little while, we have a charity tournament that we're doing um, with Barton Street Battalion. We also will have uh, a big... Um, we're doing a movie festival, probably, which would be pretty rad—a soccer mm. fest, movie festival. That's so we got approached. Shaolin soccer. Yeah, yeah. I wish it was, I'm, I would really love to have Shaolin <laughs> would be one. But we're actually working with um, FC St. Pauli supporters from Toronto. Okay. And so they have a whole one around refugees as well. And actually, like, um, so we're getting the Princess Cinemas, and we're going to hopefully put together a panel. There's still a lot of talk on how we're going to finish that all off. And then the other big one that we have coming up next year, which is going to be another really fun one we're just applying for some grants and stuff on is um 
three community soccer festivals, which are going to be basically we're going to go to local neighborhood associations, bring together neighborhood groups, and then talk soccer with kids and play soccer with the kids in parks and stuff like that. And there'll be three major ones that we'll do. Um, And so, yeah, we're just putting together the final pieces of that, but that will be a pretty fun thing. So we're going to space that out throughout the year. I think we found it very hard to not have a team, like to Mm -hmm. be honest, but we do a lot of these other fun events that's like, hey, let's go this, or there's a Canada game. And last year we went to Detroit. Um, more than likely this year we're already talking about maybe um, making the drive out to Halifax or something like that and uh, watching a CanPL game instead mm. this year. Um, so last year we went to Detroit and it was amazing. Detroit City, you have to go see them live. They're incredible. Um, and Northern Guard supporters, like I said, we've had a connection with them for a while. Um their first game was actually against KW United wow. as, a, as a preseason tournament huh. thing. And so we've had a connection with them for a little bit from that. And yeah, they they are amazing to watch. So we went and like camped out down there and we had about, uh, we brought kids and stuff. It was pretty rad. It was about 15 of us, I think, in the end with kids. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. So a lot going on even uh you know, even with the the lack of a team, mm-hmm. um, another thing that's going on right now, obviously, is the the open trials. And I know yeah. one of the cool things that uh, there's a group chat for the for the supporters group, and there's been a lot of talk about the fact that there are so many Kitchener connections, especially in the Hamilton one. Um, how cool is that to see that even with the group not here, you know, there's still yeah. there's still kind of that you know that that history that you built up is is continuing to to grow in Canadian soccer. Well, exactly. I think um, I'm excited to see what happens with the Toronto tryouts uh, or York tryouts, I guess. Mm. Um, I think we'll see even more guys that went through there. There's a lot of players that we saw with KW United um, and Rodrigo and I who really go really far back with Forsyth's machine. You know, there's guys that we saw and we were like, this guy should play pro ball. What happened? Why isn't he? Where is he gone? And then you're checking up and you're looking and they hit TFC 2 or something Mm -hmm. and they get a contract there. They last a year, maybe. They get cut. You never know where they end up. Mm -hmm. But the one cool one with with the Hamilton one is actually that was one of the guys that played in a refugee cup. Um, uh, He's a Rohingya refugee that's living in Kitchener and he played college soccer. Um, but I remember playing against them the first time and I was just like, you are so skilled. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know why I'm playing against you. Um, he said he had a r- rough second day of his tryouts, but the first day he felt really good about it. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that we'll see more of those opportunities. And I think that's the biggest thing is like these Canadian kids, there's some of them are so talented, um, and they just need the chance to play in front of people and show it off. Yeah, for sure. That's that's definitely exciting. Let's let's move on to kind of the big news in the Canadian Premier League right now, which is that not now all seven teams have a head coach. I don't know how the how the situation worked with the fact that yeah. uh, Hamilton didn't fully have a coach for all these trials. <laughs> you know, they missed out on all that Nova Scotian talent. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> that was other. I I hear he was there. I think there was somebody. Oh, okay. Somebody mentioned that there was a picture, and they knew Bobby, and they said that's Bobby. Yeah. And why is he there? <laughs> well, and, you know, you could pass it off as, well, Sigma's out there for a reason mm-hmm. because Sigma's a big, yeah. you know, big academy, but people started to guess, hmm, and that might be the new Hamilton coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, it did end up being that, and as you mentioned, Bobby uh, Smirnotis is the next coach of, of Forge FC mm-hmm. has a great history. He kind of continues that trend, which uh, I know I'm really liking of the hiring of Canadian coaches who have a long history, um, of, you know, domestically 
yeah. you know, developing players here. Obviously, Kyle Lahren is kind of is kind of Sigma FC's mm-hmm. big star, but they also have Andrew Carr James. <laughs> I thought it was Kyle Becker was his big star. <laughs> I love Kyle Becker, so uh, <laughs> you don't have to talk me into that one. But hey, he's having a great USL season. I yeah. think he's one of the assist leaders in the league. So yeah. hopefully, uh, he's one of those players that I'd love to see kind of be a star in in the Canadian Premier League, For and sure. I think he could be. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. This is one of the things that really excites me. I know I had Alan Gorman uh, of Barton Street on, and he he at the time was uh, saying, you know, he he really wanted someone like Tommy Wheeling um, out in Calgary yeah. to be his to be the coach of Forge, just someone like that who had the Canadian history, and yeah. it seems like he got that guy. Yeah, I think like uh, I mean Pacific so far is probably the only one that's gone a little bit further afield, but they've got Josh Simpson. Um, mm-hmm. involved out there but like Tommy Whelan yeah when I was out with out in Calgary hearing the, the the Calgary supporters just talk about Tommy it's just yeah it does you know we we've had a team here like I said but um, it wasn't really focused on the fan groups because it's a PDL level um, but Tommy feels like he always has been he, he wants to know how the fans are doing he wants to make their experience the best it possibly can be when he apparently showed the renders for the first time people saw um, Spruce Meadows he immediately messaged him and said that's not what it's going to look like guys you're going to be way closer <laughs> to the field and I'm like that's exactly what you want yeah. coach is somebody who understands like as supporters we don't want to be sitting back behind a track and really far away from the field we want to be close and have our own space and do mm-hmm. our own thing be able to throw streamers in yeah <laughs> yeah you want to be involved in the game like that's half the fun right like screaming at the opposing coach if that's what needs to happen and all that stuff and yeah so it's been really cool to see that. I'm very interested to see what happens out in Halifax. Um, I mean, uh, Stephen Hart goes way back out there, but mm-hmm. like that, everyone knows that moment. <laughs> and, um, I loved Stephen Hart up until that moment, <laughs> but I couldn't. It would be uh, it would be very interesting to be back in the Canadian circles again. Mm-hmm. Um, and coaching and I mean he was a great coach like he did really good with Trinidad and Tobago when he was when he was coaching them like mm-hmm. they did way better than they should have they're yeah. terrible uh, <laughs> and like yeah so see how that he does in Halifax to so see him back in the in the circles I think there's going to be a lot of neat stuff like that like there's a I know there's a guy in the Australian um, league uh, John Van Shipt, I think mm-hmm. his name is he's a coach that is Canadian Canadian background I should say like you could see some of these guys coming back. Um, it'll be very interesting too if Vancouver goes and picks up Mark DeSantos. But these bringing these Canadians back is, I think it's really cool to see these guys getting the opportunities to coach. And they've always said that that's a big part. It's not just giving pol- Canadian players a chance. It's giving Canadian marketers, Canadian mm-hmm. communications directors, Canadian coaches a chance to work in the sport that they love. And I think that's going to be really great to see over the next couple of years, the next ten years. 100 years, hopefully, if everything goes well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I really do hope uh, DeSantis ends up being the coach of Vancouver. I yeah. think that's the perfect fit. He obviously has the MLS experience, yeah. and uh, Vancouver's got probably the most modern academy system in terms of the residency yeah. program they have there, and obviously we've already seen the the caliber of player they could produce. Yeah. So if they have someone there who has a proven track record of you know getting the best out of Canadian players, then uh, that'd be a perfect hire for sure. Uh, which transitions us well into our next segment, which we're going to talk quickly about the two national teams, and we'll start with the men. Uh, pretty exciting roster for the for the game against uh, Dominica on the 16th. Uh, I know there was a time when it, it felt like you were always looking for who was left off the Canadian yeah. men's national team roster, but now it seems like 
there's always surprises in terms yeah. of who is included. Who is going to be unattached exactly. this yeah, time around? Too. Like, I mean, even the players that were worthwhile and good and, and you know, were good soccer players, you know, they'd often be unattached. And now it's like, okay, well, how can we get this a lineup together? And how mm-hmm. can we get them all to play at the same time? And we know that's not going to be entirely possible. We have such an attacking trio now um, up front that, you know, there's so much opportunity and to have choice and depth. And I didn't even think that was going to happen for the Dominica game. I thought like, oh, well, once we get to real World Cup qualifying, these guys will come back in. Like, Atiba's not going to play against Dominica. (laughs) And then to see them on the roster, it's just like, you can tell that within the camp itself, they're getting excited. Mm -hmm. And I I hope that's a sign, too, that they're buying into John Herdman stuff. Everything you hear is John Herdman knows, like, is one of the best coaches in the country. Um, And so I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. I'm excited to go to the Dominica game. Um, yeah, just it's a crazy roster to think of what we're going to have. And then also the future potential. The 22 under 22 Yeah. <laughs> um, from MLS today, they were talking about Alfonso. And they joked around about the fact that um, something like three of the last four top 22 players yeah. were Canadians. Huh. Like it's got Kyle Laren, you had yeah. Tesho Akindeli, and you had now Alfonso Davies Mm -hmm. um all involved in that list and then you know even before that we've had other players that have you know done their thing yeah so it's just kind of crazy to think like those guys are all so young Alfonso at 17 going to be 18 like it's just crazy to think that he's going to play for Bayern and I'm excited to see if once he gets on the field over there um and then a Barcelona like it's just (laughs) they they joked around about the fact that like oh the front four for Canada is going to be Barcelona, uh, Besiktas, and Bayern Munich. Yeah. And, like, even the Americans are like, that would be amazing if we mm-hmm. could have that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, they got yeah. Weston McKenney, who's, like, Schalk, but yeah. um, <laughs> they don't have yeah. anyone playing at Bayern Munich right now. So, very exciting. And, um, I mean, I, I wonder what Herdman's got to do as a coach right now. Like, you got to be going to the camp and being saying, like, we're just gonna let's let's break that record we just broke. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it again. Let's hit eleven. Let's do something crazy, you know. Let's let's see what records we can break in Concacaf. Maybe is what they're gonna mm-hmm. aim for. Because I mean, Dominica is a very small country. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't stand much of a chance. Yeah, for sure. One of the things <laughs> that you know, you said that you know they're they're gonna have a tough time getting all these players into an eleven. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that John Herdman mentioned on the media call this week, and I thought it made a lot of sense. And, you know, Canada always used to have the same types of players. They had those strong defensive midfielders that were athletes and could do a job for you. And they had those good center backs. Yeah. And then they had some forwards that were basically just some of the center backs who could run a little faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that was basically the Canadian setup. And all the players were exactly the same. Yeah. But now you have a Jonathan Osorio who's this amazing attacking talent and mm-hmm. um, can do all that stuff there. Or you can pick a Scott Arfield who has yeah. the more on the defensive side of the game and um, can put in a decent free kick and that sort of thing. And then you have a whole bunch of strikers. Mm-hmm. You know, Laren and Lucas Cavallini bring something completely yeah. different. There's a flexibility to this team. Um, less so in the on the defensive side of the ball, but es- yeah. especially in the attack and midfield that I don't think we've ever seen. No. Certainly not in the time <laughs> that I've been following this team. Like I hate to go back to Stephen Hart and bring up uh, 
the game against Honduras. But I mean, we got killed because we we were playing. You know, at that point in time, we didn't have wingers. Wingers yeah. didn't exist in Canada, as far as we could tell. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we've left Raheem Sterling, or Raheem sorry, Raheem, Ed- Raheem Edwards. <laughs> I was, wish we were leaving. Raheem yeah, <laughs> not Raheem Sterling. <laughs> we left Raheem Edwards at home, like, mm-hmm. and that's another tricky winger. Patrasso yeah. didn't make the cut this time around either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we, we have wingers, which, like, has always been strange. We used to always play our strikers. To Saint was our right midfielder for ages for Canada, right? And we also played Ian Hume, I think, one time out there, which is, like, totally not this role for him. But yeah. now we can actually play wingers, and we've got people that are so flexible, and they can, you know, put them in different positions as we need to and adjust the squad as we need to for the, who we're playing against. You mentioned this a little earlier. Kind of the big surprise of the roster was the fact that Atiba Hutchinson is back. Um, we're not sure for how long. It sounds like he, he'll be in the mix for the Gold Cup, but we're not sure about qualifying. But, uh, you know, it does seem exciting that the player like this is is back in the lineup, and that must mean something's going right because yeah. uh, it seemed, especially from what I heard after the Octavia Zambrano Jamaica game, he was kind of a, a little bit done with the program, but mm, yeah. um, to be able to get him back in and it seemed like Herbman almost had him right away. Like he was supposed to be in that March camp in New Zealand, but got hurt. But now he's, he's back in the mix. Yeah. Uh, having those veteran players by in is huge too. Oh yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Atiba. I mean, he's, he continues to be like a fan favorite for Besiktas yeah. as a center midfielder, but he could, like, you know, he could age and easily go back towards the back line and play there. Mm. He's so good at sweeping up the ball, he can play for ages and ages. So, and in CONCACAF, for sure, he can play for ages. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, uh, I hope he continues to be able to play with us for a long time. I hope he gets another gold cup in. That would be amazing. Um, I mean, I still remember 2002 and stuff and, like, the runs we made back then. Um to be able to do that again would be amazing and to do it with Atiba and actually give him the recognition he deserves in this country because, yeah, everyone said it. He's just been legendary. Yeah. Um, always willing to put on the shirt in the worst conditions possible. So, yeah, I think it's amazing that he's at, he's back in the squad. You know he's big in Turkey when he's achieved single-name status. If you see the the lineups for <laughs> Besiktas, they have Atiba in there instead of Hutchinson. So that's how big he is to that team. Um, what'll, what'll be kind of interesting, especially after the U S Virgin Islands game, I think is whether John Herdman does kind of go the same route and, uh, plays his full attacking lineup the way he did, uh, from the sounds of things that might not fully happen. Um, it sounds like they want to give Zachary Brogiard some minutes, but who knows if that's off the bench. Do do you see him trying that again? Because it was fairly successful and there wasn't. I mean, there wasn't even really need for the center backs too much because Davies can get back and cover Sam Piet, and obviously you'll have Hutchinson this time, are, are perfectly comfortable getting into the back line. Yeah, I I totally could. Like, I think maybe he'll 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 hold off a little bit, but the reality is it's a home game. Mm. He wants to show off. He wants to show that he's pulled this this team together the way that. It seems like he has. He wants to show it on the field now. He's showing it with the roster. He's showing it with the way he's talked in the media. Um, now it's time to show it on the field, and I think he'll want to put on a show for Canadians um, to, to let them see that. And, you know, hopefully this gets broadcast somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it's just going to be an online stream again, so there won't be a whole lot of people seeing it. I think but it's actually to... on TSN. Is it going to make TSN? Yeah. Okay, yeah. this is good news, because <laughs> I wasn't quite sure about that, because I know, like, uh, the 
U.S. Virgin Islands game yeah. was just a stream. But I or even know. the last time Dominica was here for World Cup qualifying, yeah. it was just on some kind of <laughs> streaming platform. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I think either way, it, you know, he wants to put on a highlight reel show. He might put out a little sh- shorter lineup. He might even, like you said, put put Zach in. He might play him as a center back for goodness sake. He could like. I don't imagine Dominica putting much for it. I remember the last time we played them, they looked weak and slow, and mm. um, they had their moments, and they tried to pick their chances, but that was what they were doing the whole game, um, is just trying to find a chance. And so it will really be about us breaking them down. And I think when you look through the history, and if he looks back and he looks at the history of the Canadian men's national team, we don't go for the jugular on these things. Yeah. We don't go for the most goals. And that's what I think was so refreshing about the U.S. Virgin Islands game is like, we are actually going to try, like, in the whole lead up, he kept telling everybody, we are going to try to break the record. That's mm. our goal. That's what we're aiming for. Yes, they're a good side. We're going to try to break the record. Yeah. Um, and too often we just like, oh, okay, we'll see what happens. And then we like lose to that, you know, unranked FIFA country <laughs> in Spain. <laughs> yeah. Mauritania. Mauritania. What a yeah. time. Oh, those were the dark days. That's yeah. for sure. I forgot about that. Yeah. I'm not happy to be reminded, but, um, yeah, yeah, it certainly will be interesting. Well, you kind of need to go for the jugular in this round, too, because, uh, what, they have eight goals and they're fourth in the table. Yeah, so right. you sure need a lot of goals. Um, Haiti put up 12, wasn't it? I yeah, think. yeah, I think Haiti's so. And Cuba top. had, like, <laughs> 13. So, yeah, the, the fact that they don't overlap with any of those teams, they're going to need to keep scoring yeah. at least a reasonable amount if they want to get into that uh, A Division of Nations League. I, I, I don't think it's too big of a thing, but, you, mm-hmm. you know, you do have to do have to make sure to keep scoring. Um, we've talked a lot about the, the Canadian men's national team, and um, there was some controversy about that yeah. this week, the, <laughs> the kind of imbalance of coverage in, in terms of the national teams. Uh, when Christine Sinclair, she quote-tweeted a tweet from the Canadian national team account, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek asking, Hey, Canada Soccer, uh, when does the women's tournament start their World Cup qualification? Um, and that kind of created a, a little bit of controversy. I know the Canadian press picked it up, did a story yeah. on it, and I, I, I have mixed feelings on this because if you look actually at Canada Soccer's Twitter feed, they maybe should have been doing a bit more promo for the yeah. women's team, but at the same time, this is the first time in a long time they've had anything worth promoting yeah. about the men's team. You've got a men's league coming up, mm-hmm. and the men's game is actually on TSN. And there's another yeah. conversation to be had about the fact that they couldn't get the women's team team yeah. games a stream but uh or at least on, on a bigger channel here but yeah, yeah you can kind of see why they're all in on the men right now yeah for sure and i think like the women do have a bit of um they've had a bit rough herdman suddenly left yeah they just promoted somebody else from the lower areas there is a lot of issues in Concacaf. i mean i i think the canadian women's national team is going to still do well but at the same time like mexico is really ranking up mm. quickly and a lot of countries are on the women's side. So it's getting really competitive over there. Um, and so that this tournament is not going to be an easy tournament. At the same time, it's a home game. And so I'm kind of with you on that. Like I'm like, this is a home game. I agree. It would have been nice if they promoted this. But you're not even going to be able to watch it on a major channel. Mm-hmm. You have to watch it on a stream. Could they have got it on a major channel? Maybe. It's really hard to see. Like that's up to the major channels. I mm-hmm. feel like, and I don't think Canada tried not to. Um, but yeah, it's a home game. And if you saw Steve Sanders' article, like there's a lot of empty tickets. Like there's yeah. a lot of tickets available for this game against Dominica, and it's going to look pretty bad if like 
you know, Herdman comes back for this big homecoming, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to bring in this whole team out and we have 4,000 people in the stands um, for a 25,000 seat stadium. So I think that's the bigger issue is like they really, they, they probably looked at those numbers and were like, oh my goodness, we need to start. Yeah. Like, let's give them more news. Let's get them involved <laughs> with this because they really should come watch. We had 9,000 for the last time that Dominica played is my mm-hmm. understanding. And so, and that was a World Cup qualifier. This is like Nations League, which people don't really grasp yet. Yeah. And if you look at all Nations League attendance, even in Europe right now, they're not doing as well as they would for World Cup qualifiers as mm-hmm. well in Europe because it just kind of feels still like a weird thing. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they, I think that's why they're pushing it. But immediately right after, right, like they started posting it. They even, I think they replied to her too. Yeah. Saying, Thanks, sink. Cool. <laughs> and like now Karina LeBlanc's down there, I mm-hmm. think. And they've got like a few other people. They're going to do a bunch of stories on each of the women. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, it was good that she called them out. I even partially wonder if it was like the CSA itself was like, hey, Christine, do this because this will be like create more yeah, controversy. Yeah. Let's get this going. <laughs> it's a bit of a hard sell for the women as well for this tournament just because I think they're at the level now where everyone just kind of expects them to yeah. qualify. You mentioned the tournament will be difficult, and I agree, but there are three slots, so U.S., yeah. Mexico, and Canada can all qualify, and I think that's probably what will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit of a hard sell, though, other than you know everyone just kind of expects them to qualify for the World Cup, so... Yeah. Come 2019, you know, the summer, I imagine we're going to get all kinds of coverage. Yeah. I also wonder a bit if this tweet was taken out of context as well. There was, I think Sinclair tweeted something after John Herdman was yeah, uh, was hired that made it sound like she wasn't even talked to at all. Mm-hmm. And that turned out to not fully be true. So I wonder if this was more of a, like you said, maybe even an inside <laughs> job here from Canada Soccer. But it has created an interesting conversation, and um, one thing I wanted to to point out that a lot of people kind of kind of cherry picked from the U.S. thing is the the equal pay thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my understanding, at least, is that it is equal pay. It's not they're not budgeted the same. So yeah. as you've seen, the the Canadian women's team gets a ton more friendlies and a ton more home friendlies yeah. because, well, we talked about it. They actually sell seats for the, yeah. for the home yeah. games. Uh, whereas the men, you know, they pay a little bit more for the coach, which is why Herdman's there uh, or one of the reasons probably why Herdman's there. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's an interesting situation. One that might get interesting going forward as the men's team continues to get better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like I said, I think the women's team is really good right now. They've got a lot of good young players that they're bringing into the side. The change in tactics, like I said, might kind of have hurt them. I'm interested to see what happens over this tournament. But yeah, they're playing like Jamaica and stuff like that. So right now mm-hmm. it feels a bit like... Ugh. I think last year, wasn't it, one of the women's championships and the, they literally had like a GoFundMe for one of the teams that <laughs> like qualified because yeah. they didn't have enough money to pay for their hotel. and. Mm-hmm. So like that's who they're playing against. Whereas like the women, they're staying probably at a nice hotel. They're going to be at a resort area that has soccer pitches right near there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they get a lot of. Um, they, they, I, my understanding is the funding's very similar there. So, um, yeah, I think that it will be uh, interesting to see what happens with the women's team. Their first game's tomorrow, so that will be a good yeah. one against Jamaica. Yeah, but at the same time, I think Costa Rica is the only game yeah. that's really... Well, we'll find out because I guess at the youth level, they've been, there have been some surprise results. But I think at the it hasn't really translated up to the senior level just yet. 
Uh, let's move on to our final segment where we're going to talk a bit about Tottenham. Uh, that's the one of the clubs you support. Oh, he's got the he's got the kid on. <laughs> he's showing me right now. Um, one of the clubs you support in Europe. We usually ask people about their their European club. It's a yeah. good way to stay up to date on what's uh, happening over there. Yeah, uh, bit of a bit of a tough stretch recently, especially <laughs> with the the way things went in the the Champions League. Two losses already. I mean, it it was Barcelona. I think people need a reminder every once in a while. I know they've been having a tough time domestically, but uh, Lionel Messi was very much himself. And yeah. um, you know, with the with the Tottenham roster that, that you're rolling out right now. Um, it was yeah. it was quite a tough game. The injuries have been uh, problematic, I think, for Spurs. So, um, you know, we, Christian Eriksen wasn't even able to play, and he's been a, a key piece to the to the Tottenham puzzle for sure. And so, like, to not have him plus missing Deli Ali because mm-hmm. Deli's usually like kind of the guy that takes over if Christian's not mm-hmm. there. So we lost our two main. I mean, guys. you would have gotten red carded, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a chance they could have got red carded. <laughs> No, not for this one. I mean, we we beat Real like like last year in the Champions League. It was the same thing. We got a tough group, um, but this year it does feel very different for Spurs. Like they, you know, they had done so well for the previous years, and then this year they didn't do the transfers, which I was kind of like, this might work. But so far, it's felt like it didn't put a fire into the players, and so they've just taken a long time to get going. And it was so disappointing at the end there. Spurs were actually pushing again, and it was probably one of the best games of the round, in my opinion, of course. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like so back and forth, and Spurs mm-hmm. nearly got back into it, but then Sissoko got the ball, and yeah. it was terrible, and he just gave it away. And then, like, it was a, literally a pass into the net for Lino. Um, he got two goals and two shots off the post, and his pass out um, for one of his goals was just so sublime. Like, you could just see the way his head's constantly on a swivel. He was incredible that game. So, yeah, I don't have any major qualms with the only thing we're competing for now is the Europa League, if we want to get into that. Mm. Um, But at the same time, I would be happy if Spurs were just like, you know what, we don't care. We're just going to focus on the domestic league for now. Keep it going. The new stadium is going to be built. That was supposed to be done. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, too, that I think are impacting the players. Mm. Because the new stadium is beautiful, but it's also a very different sized pitch than Wembley. And so last year they had prepared for Wembley. I think this year they had thought, oh, we'll only play one or two games. And then now it's looking like maybe in January the new pitch will open up. So, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, and they ended up playing, like that Barcelona game should have been at the new Tottenham mm-hmm. Stadium, um, which would have been crazy. Yeah. Um, at 62,000 seat stadium, and, and I think it would have been a very different game. But. Just that reality, I think they constantly kind of ran into it. Because even if you looked at the stands at Wembley, they weren't as packed as I would have thought against no, Barcelona. Yeah. And it's just, it's a huge stadium. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to fill. Yeah, for sure. And how much, you mentioned the inactivity in the transfer window. How much of a concern does that now become now that, yeah. you know, you mentioned maybe even punting it in the Champions <laughs> League because you've got Vertonghen out. You mentioned Eriksen mm-hmm. and uh, Deli Alli and Moussa Dembele out as well. Yeah. And, with, you know, with the lack of squad depth, that instantly makes things... Uh, very tough on you guys uh, especially when you're competing on multiple fronts yeah I think um, like Potch has always said like oh I believe in the youth and Harry Winks he had a bit of a rough first half against Barcelona he was Mm. definitely overawed Um, but in the second half he did really good at one point he actually Messi was about to go on a run and he came in flying from behind and got (laughs) a sweet tackling on him and it was just like there you go that's what you know 
that's why I've always liked Spurs. They've usually been a bit more likely to play the local London guys. And so, yeah, I think it is an issue. Hopefully there's some guys to step up. My understanding is the academy is going through a bit of changes too. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully there's some other dudes who can step up. Kyle Walker-Peters competed with um, the England U-20s and he was there starting right back. And so there's a chance he could get called up into some role. But that attacking role is so hard to fulfill. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, on the domestic front, um, where do you kind of see see Tottenham right now? Because, uh, you know, the, you kind of have the fortune of it hasn't been a great start. Um, it's been a little bit better lately. they picked up a couple of results. But uh, Manchester United, yeah. if yeah. you want to talk about a club in crisis, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're not pushing for the top four right now. And no. Arsenal's, you know, they're, they have a new manager. They're still a little bit shaky. So mm-hmm. they're... There is still that top four spot to to be had, and obviously Tottenham's been been very much consistent yeah. in finding that spot in recent years. It's it's really hard right now with like the level of all the teams. Tottenham spends like I think they're the seventh highest spending in in the Premier League or sixth highest or something like that. They do not spend a lot of money. They focus on like developing their youth talent. Um, they're very very strict on their budgets, and so. Like the top level is so there's a huge gap even between Arsenal and Tottenham in terms yeah. of spending it's insane, um, but Manchester City like they like just drop millions and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. and so when you're competing against that I just don't know what you can do. Uh, I would love to see like this team the Tottenham team that they have right now I'd love to see them compete for the title but that's clearly out of the way. I see like I think they'll get Champions League again. Um, I'm pretty confident that they'll figure that out because they will. Harry Kane's just too good to to not get into the Champions League. And then I think with Delhi and Christian, when they get back, because I think their injuries shouldn't be too long-term, mm-hmm. um, when they get back, th- that's some top quality. So I think they'll be in the top four for sure. All right, we're, we'll wrap things up there. Thanks again for joining the show, Levi. Where can people find, uh, find Grand River Union? Yeah, so we are on Instagram with Grand River Union. Mm-hmm. We are on Twitter at GRU Support, G-R-U Support. And then we are also online website, grandriverunion.ca, and there you can find our stores. We have our scarves. We have stickers that we put up there, any game tickets that we might have for sale for different games we're going to and trips and stuff like that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then we also have one on Meetup, too, in case people use Meetup. Um, and that's just sometimes how we organize some of our trips and stuff like that. So those are probably the best ways to get get in touch with us sweet um yeah and this time next week on october 11th footy talk is live once again at the rivoli we're celebrating the launch of joshua cloak's new book come on you reds the story of toronto fc you can pick up a ticket and a copy of the book for 25 dollars. or if you subscribe to the athletic you can have tickets available for free head over to homestands.ca events for all the details and hope to see all you there